Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchups, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. Let them know that we sent you by typing in the promo code chair, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That promo code is going to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! We have breaking news. Mike Tomlin has taken the baton from the hands of Miles Garrett, repudiating in the strongest terms Garrett's claim of racist remarks by Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's February 17th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And we are coming to you on President's Day. I've had a, a week in Austin working and got back last night. And fortunately, unfortunately, we weren't able to do the pod yesterday, but we have a glorious day off to celebrate American heritage here on Monday and have a chance <laughs> that's, that's to what we're doing. do the podcast in a relaxed manner instead of trying to get it done before midnight. That's right. And I'm thinking about all the presidents today. I'm thinking about Garfield, thinking about Taft, Hoover. Is there a Hoover? Here's a couple que- here's a couple questions because um, I had oh. some presidential exposure in Austin. You know, UT is in Austin. That's right. And on the campus is a presidential library. Do you know who LBJ was? L- uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, as we all well know. Done. All right, he has a library. Very impressive. That was a library. miracle that I didn't say London B. Johnson. By the way, would, you know what? If you got in Johnson, I'm giving you credit. Lyndon B. Johnson sounds like a like an alpine skier. He was the second tallest president behind Abraham Lincoln. He was an intimidating a- dude. That's crazy that Abe is still the tallest with all the genetic advancements. To, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's probably that. Well, I think these a lot of these political candidates are sort of like actors. Nobody's over five eight. That's true. Well, it helps you stay in frame, I guess. So your one other question, because one of my colleagues who is actually not that much younger than me got this wrong. What is the number of, what is the 
most number of terms a president has served as Three. president? Jefferson. Okay, we're going to move on, and we're going to let our audience look that up because that is is wrong. I'm going to get our <laughs> money back from your schools. <laughs> Woo! Hey, hey, just to uh, tell you, I spent the morning kind of getting getting ready for the podcast. There is so much nice. news about the Steelers this week. I, I was sweating on the plane ride home. Like, we don't have anything to talk about except oh, for this everything. one really big story. Miles Garrett did an interview with Mina Kimes of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Over, it was it over the weekend. Wow, it's kind of outrageous. It was outrageous, and we could have talked about that on its own. We don't really need anything else to talk about, but Mike Tomlin, right before we did the podcast, just went on ESPN First Take with Stephen A. Smith to talk about said interview and just about the state of the Steelers. So he talks about his opinions on Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph and the way he even talked about not liking the way ESPN handled that interview, um, making some, and maybe you have the actual transcript right there. I just watched it right before we saw it, but uh, Mike Tomlin, he put it on the table, man. He came on there and basically said, he doubled down on kind of insinuating that Miles Garrett's making a bunch of this crap up. And, And it's really hard to see it any other way, you know, as a Steelers fan or not. Um, Mike Tomlin he was passionate when he was on there with Stephen A. And he essentially said that, listen, I was on the field right after this incident transpired. Not only do I obviously have a good relationship with all the Steelers players, and not to mention that, you know, whatever, 80, 90% of the Steelers players are African-American and would maybe be um, motivated. Sym- what were you say? Sympathetic yes, to yes, Miles sympathetic. Garrett. Probably wouldn't uh, react favorably to that. Not only does Tomlin have relationships with his players, but he has a lot of relationships with members of the Browns organization, players and coaches. And he said not a single solitary person made a mention of that on the field after the incident occur- occurred or after the game. And with his relationship with Browns, uh, officials, you know, or, or coaches and front office guys, especially, he said he would expect if something like that to happen, maybe he would have gotten a heads up after the game from one of the guys like, hey, Mike, we got a situation here. Not a single solitary person said that that happened or that they heard that from Miles Garrett or that they heard it from Mason Rudolph. And we all knew that this seemed a little bit fishy when it happened, but you have to be careful with these race related issues. And of course, if uh, Mason Rudolph had said it, then maybe bashing him over the hel- the head with the helmet doesn't justify it. But, you know, as a Steelers fan, I'd even say I'd be pretty pissed at – I'd be very pissed at Mason Rudolph if he said that. And I'd say, well, you know, maybe you get hit in the head with the helmet. But we all knew this was a little bit fishy to begin with. Then Miles Garrett uh, has the private meeting with the NFL after the incident occurred, and it was leaked that he made this uh, – claim of racism during that meeting. That was the first time we ever heard of the racist claim. When that leaked, Miles Garrett said he was upset that it leaked. Yet he goes on national television to ESPN in some sort of attempt to heal his reputation, which is never going to get fixed. He's in Domic Sue for the rest of his career, best case scenario. And then the very thing he didn't want to go public, he makes public. I'll tell you, I'm you can't read minds. I watched the interview. He looks sincere. Maybe yeah. he heard it. Maybe he wanted to. Maybe 
in, in the mayhem he heard it or in the anger, which same reason Mason lashed out at him. I mean, yeah, he did he did uh, appear to be trying to take his Garrett's helmet off, blah blah blah. There was just chaos, and who knows what he heard. He's he's definitely exposed. I, I don't know why he doesn't let this go other than he really does feel the need for some kind of vindication. Like it wasn't 100% his fault. Just to move to mm-hmm. a sort of a, a related note, you know, they talk about investigating this and these, I mean, fortunately the investigation wasn't like most investigations that take forever, but how do you investigate it? It really is. He said, he said, and yeah. the question is what is mic'd up? So you know, apparently there are mics on offensive linemen, but I'm not sure it's recorded. And even if they were mic'd up, what can you hear? I mean, the crowd's screaming. There's a fight going on, and guys are just pummeling each other. I wonder what they actually could get. So at the end of the day, it's he said, he said. Yeah, that's basically what Tomlin was saying on uh, that ESPN interview with Stephen A. Smith, is that he was angry that, uh, ESPN even did a, like a separate segment. I don't remember who was on this, but later that day after the Miles Garrett interview, the new one, or maybe the day after, they did a panel on what if Mason Rudolph did say it, and they went off for like what five ten minutes on yeah, pretending that was ridiculous. That guy Matt, um, uh, I forget the, the the white guy at the end with the spiky hair. I don't remember. I didn't actually see it. I saw the, the yeah, Twitter sort of taking a, Miles Garrett's side. Like, I'm not watching and, this. Yeah, yeah, hypothetically, but like you're on ESPN. People are turning this on. They're going to come into the middle of this discussion and not realize, oh, they're doing a hypothetical discussion on what if OJ didn't do it. So it's just it's ridiculous. And Mike Tomlin on ESPN called them out for that. So that was that was pretty dope. I think with Miles Garrett, it just seems like it's either him or his agent or I'd be surprised if it was the Browns. I would think it would be his agent. I bet that they are trying to use this as like, uh, trying to make him a sympathetic character. And I agree with you. It's, you're at the point where you just need to let that thing go and just repair your image on your own. Hey, Ben Roethlisberger had to repair his image. And for a lot of people, it'll never be repaired. For a lot of people. We've so, talked about that a lot. Well, maybe it's repaired with the Cleveland fans. I don't know if he thinks he's going to win over the nation or if even the nation cares about it. But why would he continue to do this? He, he maybe feels... Uh, a lack of justice here, and he's trying to ingratiate himself further with the local fans. Yeah, well, the, he never had to do that because they've blindly taken his side because he wears brown and orange, and we have a little segment on that coming up after, so that's a good little foreshadowing. Um, but uh, I don't know what it is, is that um, you, you just have to assume the, the agent is trying to get him to repair that image in the national collective. And like I was saying, maybe he'd be smarter to take Roethlisberger or Kobe Bryant or even Sue hasn't had an incident in a few years and you got to put your head down and go through the work or whatever it is. But it seems like an attempt to rehab his image that way. And I agree with you. You should really just drop it. But that wasn't the only thing that Mike Tomlin talked about on the ESPN interview. We talked a little bit about Antonio Brown last week. And hypothetically, would you take him back on the team if – uh, he was available. And then I put out an Instagram post, by the way, guys. I'm going to try and ramp back up that Instagram and, and put out just some little one-minute videos here or there when some uh, worthy news happens. But you and I had more of like a hypothetical discussion of like imagine if you added a player of that caliber onto the offense now that the Steelers have a potentially championship-level defense and it, it would just be so undeniable. They'd probably be one of the top 
two or three best teams in the entire league at that point. But we both know it's almost impossible to get him back on the team because, you know, number one, he's still in the middle of legal issues. I think his legal counsel just dropped him for the sexual assault in Florida. So not only is he going to get suspended by the NFL the instant he signs to a team, but he's still in legal trouble. Then secondly, you know that he um, will do something else. I mean, every week it's something new with this guy. Thirdly, you don't know if Ben will be able to forgive him with the way that Brown dragged him through the mud on the social media campaign while he was on his way out of Pittsburgh. And then the Roonies and the Steelers, once they get rid of a guy who has a lot of drama like this, particularly legal drama, I wouldn't think that they would want him back in the building. And then Mike Tomlin basically slammed the door shut on all of that and and, and um, confirmed it. Hello. <laughs> oh, Mama Cena. Mama Cena. Looking good. You're looking good. <laughs> Where's she going? You're still muted over here. I, or I can't hear you. Oh, she was talking to you and I had this muted the whole time. I'm sorry. Oh, you saw what she was saying. Um. Yeah. So you were going through the list of reasons why he wouldn't come back. Right? Okay, are we back on? We're back on. Okay, you were going through the list of reasons he couldn't come back. You had a little, do you have a timestamp for when the big gap was? Yeah. Okay, cool. Hold on. Here she comes. She's coming back in. (laughs) You can see her? Yeah, yeah, I can see her. She's going to be quiet. We're going to start recording again, okay? What is she just chilling? She just got back and she's taking off her coat. This is where she hangs it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's that provides part of the baffling in the studio. Saw, saw that the studios. actually is true. It, it actually does help the baffling. Can I go? Because I had to jump co- to get on there. I, I was just going to say, you know, not a, a couple other factors. He doesn't have an agent, and we can't afford. It. I mean, there's no way to f- afford him, which is what I was going to say. Yeah, totally. And that that can end the list of reasons he's not coming back. Okay, okay, sure. Uh, Hop, yeah, and then we'll bring it back to Tom to the interview because we need to finish the rest of the uh, the yeah, Tomlin interview about- before we segue into the next part, which was a brilliant segue. But uh. so the other reasons he can't come back is he doesn't have an agent, and there's no way to pay for him. One other thing I wanted to point out about Mike, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Oh, please. You know, you you can measure the intensity by the number of blinks per minute because he was What's wrong his, with him. <laughs> He was like fluttering the eyelids. And and at the beginning of the interview, his eyes kept darting over to the right. Like there was something going on. Like like, uh, Miles Garrett was approaching (laughs) at the moment. What is up with the blinking? I love it. It just makes him a more memorable character. But now I'm getting to the point with this interview where I have to know. I need to know. It, it's absurd. It's a, a blink every like 1.3 seconds. Does he have like a dry eye syndrome? Is there like, are the lights just really bright that were illuminating him for the TV interview? What, what is it? It's like he doesn't have eyelids when they're open. I mean, do you ever see how wide those eyes are? I mean, you're totally exposed to the air. I'm sure they're dry all the time. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it's probably a way to channel is the intensity. Yeah. And, 
just the pure anxiety and stress of being an NFL coach is manifesting itself physically through. Uh, but it's interesting because when Tomlin does it, you know, he's built up a reputation of being a cool guy. When Adam Gase has eyes that big, it's just serial killery. Yeah, I don't know. Tomlin still would scare me in the locker room. Well, yeah, I think but he, in a healthy he's way, drilling in a, that in a good way. with a laser through your head. Okay, so the rest. Of, what else did he say in that interview? Oh, we were basically just saying, besides all the reasons we listed of Antonio Brown not being on, uh, being able to come back to the Steelers. Mike Tomlin saying, we are not interested in that business at this point when Stephen A. asked him about A.B. coming back. That pretty much solidifies it, which is hilarious because, by the way, Dad, Mike or uh, Max Kellerman later on the show said, I don't care. I'm paraphrasing. But he basically said, the only thing I heard from Mike Tomlin in that interview is that he's open to Antonio Brown coming back to Pittsburgh. So That's I'm not sure if he listened to it. <laughs> no, he's, he's uh, you know, did they just train them to shout on that panel? They do. That guy's so irritating. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't really watch the show, so I don't let myself get too irritated by well, it. But I will say, Stephen A. did. Stephen A. actually did a really good job, and I know he really likes Mike Tomlin. But he served up these questions to Mike Tomlin that enabled Tomlin to respond to the haters. Uh, in advance, basically. And by the haters, I mean the people who are going to say, like, oh, the NFL erased the audio, or, uh, of course, you're backing Mason Rudolph, you're a Steelers player. I'm basically saying just to respond to Browns fans, and I guess at the end of the day, who cares? Nobody needs to respond to them. Uh, They're not based in reality. But uh, I thought that Stephen A. actually did a good job quickly getting... um, covering all the points of, like, letting Mike Tomlin say his piece, but then giving him a question that's going to address the Twitter mob, you know, the inevitable Twitter mob response to all of his different questions. So I was impressed at how Mike came out in defense of Mason Rudolph. Uh, Then Stephen A. Smith said, do you think, how much do you think, you know, Rudolph is to blame for the incident, basically? And Tomlin's response was essentially he got fined 50 grand for getting beat up, pretty much. So he came out pretty hard in defense of Mason. He said not... uh, especially in this aftermath when people are have all this conjecture and stuff like that. And then he kind of slammed the door shut on AB, and he also said he's not worried about Ben uh, being the starter for day one. So nothing, nothing too surprising, but it's nice to see him take a stance. Did you watch the, interv- um, the panel discussion last week with Stephen A when he said they were talking about Miles Garrett having just come off a of suspension? He was reinstated, and Stephen A said – he thinks he should have been suspended for the first game of this year just to send a message as if it's not all over and done. I just want to remind you what happened last year. I 100% agree. And again, if a Steelers player does something bad, I'm going to tell you. I'm not blinded by this weird loyalty. I just think that it seems ridiculous that the worst on-field incident that we have ever seen in the history of football, and that's what it is by a quantum mile. If you don't think that that's what happened. Like, oh, things happen in the NFL all the time. No one has ever, out of all the psychos who play in the NFL, no one has ever bashed another man in the skull with a full overhand tomahawk at 6'5", 260 pounds. No one has ever taken it that far, ever. Tell me one example. It doesn't exist. So it's the worst incident we've ever seen. 
I don't know how Mason Rudolph's bowling ball skull didn't cave in when he got hit by that. But if he went down, if he got concussed, I think there would be an even more accurate national reaction to this of, oh, my God, that was like he could have killed him. I don't want to revisit all this. But all I'm saying is that with that incident, the guy got suspended for six games. It just seems like too little. And like, oh, you're just going to let him start the very first game the next year? Eh, that's a little... It just seems like it's not enough. So sure, if you want to get him back in for the second game, good. But I agree with Tom on like some sort of message ha- should have been sent. But here we are. Who cares? So you were talking about Miles Garrett possibly giving this interview in an attempt to redeem himself with Browns fans. And I was saying he doesn't need to. They... Just blindly follow them. You'll never be able to win that argument with them. And uh, even though it seems like there's overwhelming evidence towards this guy doing it, it's it's OJ again, right? But okay, that that's probably a bridge too far. But either way, there's there's. Let me let me restart that. Okay. So you were talking about Miles Garrett. Maybe giving this interview because he wants to repair his reputation with Browns fans. And I was saying the good thing for him is he doesn't need to to repair his reputation or his image with them because it's been the same the whole time. They probably love him more for taking out a Steelers fan, uh, taking out a Steelers player. And I could not help but to think of the parallels with the situation with the Astros right now, me being down in Houston. So for anybody who somehow has not heard about this. The Astros uh, cheated. Probably the biggest cheating scandal of my lifetime, sports-wise. Three years of filming the opposing opposing pitchers' signs and uh, developing systems to tell their batters of uh, what pitches were coming, including giving their star players, Altuve and whoever else, buzzers underneath of their shirt to tell them when a pitch was coming. Major, major, major cheating scandal got caught basically red-handed and went on national television last week to give an apology and didn't apologize. They said that, yeah, we we did that, but we just uh, didn't think that it gave us a competitive advantage. And the reporters responded to them like, how does knowing the other team's pitches not give you a competitive advantage? Which they responded with, of course, uh, we just, that's our opinion. We just don't think it did. So not only do you cheat horribly for years, make it to multiple World Series within that cheating time, you go up on national TV and don't apologize. Altuve didn't apologize. Nobody really apologized. And Maybe I'm naive, but I thought I would see some reactions in Houston if you're of, like, embarrassment. I mean, I would be embarrassed if that was the Steelers, right? Nope. It's people sharing, people on Facebook or whatever, Instagram, sharing clips of the interview and saying, I'm going to root twice as hard for this team. I can't believe that they manned up and did something like that. Love this team to the end of the earth. And to me, it's such a black and white. They got caught red-handed with major cheating scandal. How can you... Like, support that. I'm not saying you don't have to be a fan of the team, but if it were me, I'd say, like, this is brutal, but I'll take the championship. These people aren't even saying it's brutal. And I'm just sort of amazed. I guess it makes me feel better about my psychotic following of the Steelers. I don't know. What do you think about fans just blindly uh, supporting their teams even in the face of blatant controversy? 
I, I don't understand it because I could see when the, it's gray giving the your home team the benefit of the doubt. I I tend yeah. to go the other way. I'd like I want to be above it all. I want us to be pristine as pristine as you could be. So I tend yeah. to be harder on the home team, including you and your sister as you're growing up. Um, right. So good. I don't understand. I don't know the sort of this sus- suspended belief in suspended suspended disbelief is the term I guess that yeah, I, yeah. I believe that I want to believe them so I'll just believe whatever they say. I don't understand it. But the, but then again, yeah, adults. Remember, it's baseball, so my care meter is not on. It's the worst. It, it's done. They don't still play that Aztec game where you throw the ball through the giant hoop on the wall. And honestly, they should bring that back. It's well, very guys physical. Died, right? That was more, right. <laughs> yeah, you mean you don't have to kill people anymore, but you can get close. Baseball has had its run. It's so boring. They didn't even get punished, by the way. They suspended, like, the manager or the president or someone for, like, a year. No suspensions for the players, including Altuve, who's wearing the damn buzzer. But they suspend Tom Brady in the NFL for maybe deflating some of the balls, right? It's just such a joke. It's time for that sport to end. We should put some more lacrosse on TV. We should put some more dodgeball on TV. Hell, I'll even watch some handball. But... Baseball's done, but it does amaze me because smart people who I respect, who are who could be classified as adults in their late thirties, they're the one the ones that shocked me the most. So I'm seeing how can you do this? At least give uh, some sort of joke about I'll still take the titles, but this is a little embarrassing for us, isn't it? It just amazes me. Well, I think you're going to learn the the older you get that there's very rarely a checkmate in life. You know, these guys who even go to prison, they, they plead deal. So what I heard with regard to the players not getting punished is that there was a memo that went to the GMs and to the managers of these teams, but the memo wasn't disseminated to the players. So Major League Baseball was afraid of punishing players who would be able to do, go to their union and, and basically say, we weren't informed that this was a problem. So they didn't want to try to enforce it. So my point is... Everything gets legislated. Everything, you know, they call the lawyers and it, people just don't want to be tied up for years and spend millions of dollars and thousands of lives on these issues. So it, it enables a lot of people to squirm out. That makes sense. Well, we'll see if that was the last word in this episode and see if Miles Garrett keeps his powder dry from here on out. Mm. Last week, we jumped on a rumor too fast, which is always a good lesson. I don't think yeah. we said it uh, said it was a fait accompli, but... We were talking about Brian McClendon, um, assistant coach at South Carolina, becoming the Steelers' wide receiver coach. That does not seem to be operating right now because South Carolina confirmed that McClendon's going to return to the team next year. Right. However, a former Steeler, beloved, at least in my mm-hmm. book, Me too. is interviewing for the job. Jayco, he's back. And by the way, I think that's our first big podcast gaff. I was actually sincerely surprised when I saw the news a few days later. Like, oh, they, we lied. This is not the new receivers coach. Yeah, we got to fire but, uh, a few sources. Yeah, we do. That's right. But Jericho Cotri is interviewing for the job. Just give it to him. 
you know my feeling on ex-players uh, coaching for the Steelers, but it's more ex-star players. Jayco uh, had a great career for the Jets and the Steelers. What did he play for the Steelers? One year, two years? But he had 10 touchdowns in the year he played. Uh, so he did very well, but he's just one of those tough guy, wily veterans. A uh, little bit of a journeyman. He got overpaid by Carolina after he had those 10 touchdowns for the Steelers, so that's why the Steelers weren't able to retain him. But that's the kind of guy I want coaching. You know, Hines and Joey... They're too, they were too good. They were too damn good at football to be good coaches. And it's just, they don't, it doesn't go hand in hand very often. J. Cole, this is unrelated to coaching, but people need to know the story. If you haven't seen it or heard it, you can go check it out on YouTube. If you have heard it, enjoy hearing it again. When he was playing for the Jets, he broke his leg on like the very beginning of a route. I, I want to say it was like a third down or something like that. But either way, he ran a route like 10 yards down to the middle of the field and sat in the soft spot of the zone with a broken leg. The Jets quarterback threw it to him way outside of the catch zone, and he dove full extension to make the catch with a broken leg and then hobbled off of the field. That's the kind of guy Jayco is. And actually, it's funny because he's not that far removed from his playing career. Maybe he could act as a, a really good mediator, a leader for the receiver room where Juju... You know, it was like the oldest guy or the, the longest tenured. I don't even know if he's the oldest, but the average Steeler receiver age right now is like 17. So you have a guy who's not so old that he it's not like he played a decade ago, but he's clearly mature enough to lead these men into battle. No, I'm going to look up the roster because it's some somebody that is Washington older expect. than Juju. It's not even that it's. Um, hold on, let me sort by position. It's not one of the. The name guy. So Washington is 23. Holton. Oh, well, Switzer Kane. is 23, 23. That's all of them. Oh, Holton. Holton is 28. Oh, wow. Well, Washington looks 40. So <laughs> He does look 40. He's only this 23. This is a Daniel Monte situation. We need a birth certificate. It's a Freddie Adu situation. Hey, so um, so Cotri has been coaching. What I like, he has been coaching for three years. But uh, honestly, I like him, but... I don't know. Is does he is he better than somebody who started, you know, one of these graduate assistants and has been working the year working for 10 years? I mean, it, these it, sometimes these player transitions don't I mean, we've seen this. I don't know whether Carnell Lake was a problem or not. He wasn't particularly successful. We know Joseph Porter definitely not successful. And there're probably other examples around the NFL. I just wonder is this the best move? Is a is a former wide receiver this close to his career, prepared to coach. Well, we're also kind of talking about it like they're going to hire him, and there's oh, a good chance because he's the only guy in, in you know that we've heard that we know of. Yeah, um, and I agree with you. You never know, but I would say uh, the type of player he was, I think, lends itself a little bit better to coaching, just as a result of like these journeyman guys who had to work their way up the ladder. They have a little bit more from the technique standpoint. So I do think that he's – and his leadership was phenomenal. He's much more even-keeled than someone like Heinz Ward or Joey Porter, who are both psychopaths. So I just think that he he looks a lot better as a coach than either one of those guys. And I'm not saying – you know, Heinz and Joey, they were very physically talented, but they also had to work their way up the ladder too. So I'm not saying they didn't have to do that, but they just had that extra – edge or something so i agree with you we'll see who else they try to bring in there but country is the kind of guy you would like to see uh take a job just to switch gears you know how we've been talking about the cba 
And the fact that it goes through the 2021 season, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. But did you know, I just found this out, that the NFLPA's executive committee and the player reps may be voting this week on a proposal from the owners. Yeah, I keep hearing reports of that and um, not... I haven't heard too many about it this week, but I've heard it at various times about artificial deadlines being imposed. And then Richard Sherman, who's one of the main guys in the Players Association, will come out and say that's false, there is no deadline or not. So what's the uh, what, what do you think are the chances of that actually happening? Well, I don't know, that, but I can tell you what I've read about. The impetus for it is that sure. the NFL is anxious to strike a new deal while the iron's hot. The ratings are high. More importantly, the economy's hot. And that means there is advertising dollar there are advertising dollars to be spent. So with the right. the economy going well, you don't want to wait until the end of twenty twenty one. Who knows what could happen to the economy? Plus, if you recall, there was a dip in reader uh, viewership in twenty sixteen during the presidential election. I'm not sure that right. was fully attributable to the election. There, there's uh, you know, diff- definitely disagreement about that, but why take a chance? If they could lock down something now while e- all the coffers are overflowing, why not do it? Right. And I think everybody has an interest in that. So one of the advantages if the, you know, the, st- the, the players are going to enjoy that too because I think part of the proposal increases their share by a percent. Right. Are they going to like that or not? I mean, the big ticket issue on the CBA negotiations we all know is the 17 game season which is really just a stepping stone for an eventual 18 game season so the NFL is proposing to remove one of the four preseason games tack it on to the end of the regular season you have 17 uh, games at that point and listen there's been conjecture from both sides there's a lot of players who will come out on Twitter and say there's no way we want a 17 game season it's not going to happen. There are teams like, who is it, the Falcons or the Niners or the Bucks? Somebody came out and said we did a, uh, a poll. Uh, P- uh, Pro Football Talk Live was talking about this. The team, or it was the Cardinals. They did a poll of our fans. Would you want 17 games? Turns out there was no poll. They just asked some people around, literally. And p- that's when people said, oh, yeah, we'd won 17 games. So I don't think that the fans actually care as much. But all this comes down to is... How much money are you going to give the players to play that 17th game? Because the injuries are going to go up. Oh, what I was trying to say was that there was a study that came out that showed the injuries would actually not go up with an extra regular season game because you're taking with that preseason game. But I think that makes no sense at all. We know that the starters aren't going to be playing in that preseason game anyways. And, okay, so there's less people who are going to get injured in a preseason game. That doesn't exist, right? But not to sound cold or anything, maybe some of those injuries are guys who are not even going to be in the league for more than a year or more than three years. But if you add another game onto the regular season, the veterans, the guys who are playing for 10-plus years who have a lot of injuries already, the guys who are more exposed to CTE, those are the guys who are going to get hurt. So that's really the primary concern, not some guy who's already going to be safe and sound outside of football a year or two later, right? But it all just comes down to... You're not going to give the players one more game check for seven for a seventeenth week. You're, is three game checks for that one week? Is that going to do it? Four, two? What? What's the number? I don't know. Well, I don't know either. They were so an additional one percent. I think that would move them from it's around forty eight percent right now 
it would give them another $160 million added to salary cap. So how does I don't know. It sounds it actually doesn't sound like a lot of money when you think about the salaries that are paid today. And that's got to be spread over 32 teams. And that just goes to the star players anyways. Who You know, a couple million dollars here or there isn't well, making that big of a difference for the NFL middle class, which I think is the real focus. So to, if you can believe what, what's coming out of this is that the current proposal includes higher minimum salaries and, and improved benefits. Sure. Okay. And less punitive drug program. You know, I don't know how you do a study to see whether or not there'd be fewer or more injuries added to another game intuitively. I mean, it just seems like a bald-faced lie that – you add a game and the number of injuries will stay the same. But I would say if, if they really cared about injuries, shorten the season. It's still about the money. Exactly. You know, it's all about yesterday's, the money. Yesterday's 16-game season that you was immutable, you, like you were pointing out, 17, it's just a slippery slope. Ah, we'll just sneak a game in here. And then, we'll, and then in five years we'll say it's just weird to have this odd number of games. So. Yeah, and they've come out a few years back and said that they wanted 18. 18 is the real number. Then the concussion movie came out, and they ramped back on everything. Crap. And so now it really is uh, an attempt. to. And we've been saying this for years on the podcast. The, the player safety thing, it's not real. It's, they do not care. The only reason why they place a greater emphasis on player safety is for public perception because they don't want to lose fans. And this just proves it because – oh, yeah, you take one of the preseason games away and add one to the end of the regular season, the injuries uh, technically cumulatively are the same. That's a bunch of BS. The guys who are really in trouble getting hurt more permanently are getting hurt. So we'll keep our eye on that CBA negotiation going forward. Hey, one other Antonio tidbit that came across the uh, screen. You know he's, he's going to go to the Combine? To, to do what? Well, first I thought he's not – he's going to go run – the 40 but it may be that he's gonna be at the combine and just you know do a little glad handing are they gonna let him in i wouldn't <laughs> i think they'd love to have him there at least the media would love to have him there i'm sure he'll well the media would entertain. love to but the nfl as the nfl does not want antonio brown anywhere near them as they have demonstrated by sort of blackballing him a little bit and not giving him that the hearing the proper hearings or whatever it takes so yeah whatever i'm sure he'll stay in the news Let's talk about Ryan Shazier because Art Rooney said that he would love to have Shazier back in some capacity. And what it, what's happened is that uh, his contract told in 2019, and told means that it's the, the NFL collective bargaining agreement permits players who are on the PUP, physically unable to perform list, in the last year of their contract to extend the contract and their benefits, salary yeah. and benefits. But... Rooney said that they won't toll it again this year. I don't. I'm not even sure it's possible under the agreement. So well, Ryan Chazier most likely will be a free agent in March, whatever that means. But uh, I guess coming back in any capacity could be what he's done for the last year, which is be a yeah. mentor and a coach. Well, I'm sure they're going to keep him around uh, in some capacity or, or not. I, I I also was a little bit confused on the contractual implications, but I guess you just outlined them right there. Which is kind of what I figured would happen. It's like they're not just going to pay him full salary for every single year, but they do seem to have a vested interest in his recovery, which is good to see that he is not forgotten in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, even though his story has obviously slowed down in the national consciousness. But I'm glad you have that update because I want to keep updating people on what he's doing because he's still uh, recovering. Well, you remember when he got hurt, they paid him out the full 
yeah, all of his guarantee. Oh, so yeah. he's still getting a veteran minimum of eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars. So it's not pocket change. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. Where do you think Todd Haley is right now? A bar. He's at a bar right now, but in this fall, he'll be at Riverview High School in Florida as the offensive yep. coordinator. I think our buddy uh, on Twitter, Derek, at Derek, Derek the Kid, said, uh, this is the guy that the Steelers wasted Ben Roethlisberger's prime years on. <laughs> He's coaching high school football. And somebody tried to point out, well, those were some of Ben's best statistical years. And Derek replied by saying those were also the years when they finally got an offensive line together for him. But listen, we've talked about it before. Uh, Haley did do some good things in terms of uh, finding ways to get the ball out of Ben's hand quicker. Ben definitely did develop under him. You know, uh, I, I agree. The offensive line is a bigger part of it. But he did learn how to get the ball out a little bit quicker. He did find creative ways to get Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell the ball and things like that and set up some cornerstones for the Steelers' offense. But that is hilarious. I mean, he made it through a couple of weeks with the Browns after he left. And this is just where I wish... You know, people would apologize to Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin some more because here's another example of something where people trashed Ben when Todd Haley left. Now we see the guy can't even get a job anywhere outside of a high school, but yet nobody wants to go back and apologize to say like, oh, maybe Ben was right for not wanting to have this guy on on his team. Oh, and maybe Ben didn't force Antonio Brown out of the Pittsburgh Steelers and to verbally abuse his girlfriend and the police and whatever else may or may not have happened. Nope. They just trash him and we move on and we don't acknowledge it later. Let's move on to the XFL feel good story of the week. Dallas Renegades, 25 LA Wildcats, 18. And you know who led the Renegades to victory? Oh, I know. Our own Landry Jones, who was 28 for 40. And for those of you without a calculator, that is a 70% completion for 305 yards, a tutty, and two interceptions. Um, he did look like he's still kind of feeling the effects of – what did he hurt, his knee? Knee, yeah. He did run for a first down, and, man, he looked like Ben. He looked like Ben five years from now on this run, but he did get the first down. The inter- the interceptions were horrific, but I can't say that it was his. It's hard to tell whether it was his fault or somebody ran a right running. I gotta believe this game is is slower from what he's used to seeing in the NFL, so he should be able to master this system. But he had an unbelievable forty yard bomb from the end zone uh, to get the Renegades out of trouble, and I just just wish well for Landry. You do wish well on him because we didn't talk about the ESPN. I don't remember who put out this story, but basically there's a story last week on Landry Jones going back to Dallas and or Fort Worth or wherever he's from and working construction job after he couldn't land another. That. Yeah, he couldn't land a job with the Steelers, couldn't do it with the Jaguars or the Raiders and started working construction like kind of from the ground up. Uh, he had an agreement with the construction company that he'd work the super grunt job with, like, operating a crane or something as long as they taught him some of the business side. And it just depressed me thoroughly. Not because construction isn't a worthy pursuit. I actually found myself on a few construction sites through the years, and you can actually make a good living. And some of the smartest dudes I know uh, I met on those sites. But just when you're coming from an NFL quarterback, a guy who set records at Oklahoma, where Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray have come through, it just is so sad to see, like, you couldn't even do anything football adjacent, or, like, maybe you just, maybe he's more artsy than we thought, and he wanted to get down to the bluegrass roots. So I'm glad to see that he is getting to play football on TV. 
no, he's never going to have to buy a beer for himself again. Can you imagine those guys on the work side? He's, they're not, the grunt job is not the crane. The crane is the job to which you aspire. It'd be That's fantastic right. to use that, pulling levers and moving things. The, the grunt work is grabbing the shovel and getting in there and just putting in the pipes for the I, toilets. I, I think he actually had to do that. Like Part of his job was demolition of just like walls and residential right. homes, and you just had to take a sledgehammer to a wall for a couple hours. If, if you're <laughs> him, you definitely do that so you don't come in, because he's going to own a company at I've some point. You know? And you don't want to come in there and just be that guy. So, of course, he's going to get down in there with the proletariat and rub elbows. He's like uh, Falco, Shane Falco or whatever, from uh, Keanu Reeves from um, The Replacements. Just down-to-earth kind of guy. But I do like to see him doing well. Uh, I don't actually see him doing well outside of highlights because I don't see the XFL and will not until they get some real quarterbacks in there. Or really, my solution for the XFL, like I told you last week, I just can't do it with the lack of just coordinated play. And my solution is not to find better quarterbacks because they obviously tried to find, they found the best guys they could. It's to change the damn rules. I know that they have a couple cool rules, like with the kickoffs and with overtime and with the play clock, but you need more than that for me. That's a nice favor to the NFL because the, the NFL should adopt these rules. But to me, your league needs some sort of hook, at least with the Arena League. The field is so small, there's less players. It looks different on television. And since the field is smaller, they're scoring 50 points a game. You need to do something like that to keep me interested because otherwise it really is just a bunch of guys who could not make NFL teams. Two forward passes. When they get used to that, sure. this is how, this is how it, they do have that. This is how the game's going to evolve. They're not going to have a bunch of receivers. They're going to have a bunch of receivers who are former quarterbacks, kind of the way there have been a few of them in the NFL, because they're going to be throwing two forward passes. The reason they haven't done a lot of it yet is just nobody's used to that, and they don't have guys who can throw. I mean, 90% of the receivers, when we see those options, are they're not very confident throws. Wait, you but can't do a pass the doing... line of scrimmage, can you? Yes! It's the XFL! Read Wait, the rule can... book! Can you? I thought that it had yeah. to be behind the line of scrimmage. I'll read, I'll read the world book myself, and we'll have an answer next week. Because then I'll be talking. If you can throw a five-yard drag, and then he throws uh, the post corner to the receiver on the same side, like now yeah. we're talking. All right. I think I got ahead of myself. Hey, I'm going to answer that trivia question for you. So who was the president of the United States of America during World War II? Uh, you broke up there. What would you say? Who was the president during World War II? Oh, we all know that. Just keep going. So FDR, is that helpful? Frederick Douglass, of course, of course. Great man. All right, I do have a Steeler trivia question. I can throw that out here and answer it in the same show, or should I throw it out there and just wait for people to email us or hit us up on Twitter? Let's have them hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, give them a chance to do a little research. How yeah. long until the Steelers' cumul- cumulative record was above 500 in terms of games and years? It's how surprising. many years? Be- how many years until their cumulative record was above 500, and how many games did that take? Yeah, or maybe you can give us the the year in which it rose above 500. We'll, we'll take that as well. Yeah, either one is a it would be a correct answer. If you get either one of those. There is no prize this week. I do have another book in the wings hmm. waiting to be given away, but let's let's go a couple of weeks without a, a giveaway. 
Yeah, that's right. You keep them keep them uh, on their toes here. Hey, so uh, refreshing that we had this much to talk about. Yeah, I think we still will going forward. We haven't even started to touch on the draft stuff. Uh, the nice thing is we are. There's no first round anxiety for us this year. There's no. Really no, it's already known. No we have them. Yeah, we know who it is. Exactly. We have a superstar. We have the greatest free safety in the NFL. So it it feels nice. You'd think that you'd be a little bit bummed right now, not getting to participate in the first round conjecture. I thought that I might have a little bit of that. Zero percent. I just every yeah. time I think about the draft, I just remember that the Steelers have our Lord and Savior, Maker Fitzpatrick. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email. Answer the trivia question at Steelers Outpost at Gmail. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.